TGH The Good House presents Say Something Good, an all-new podcast dedicated to good news, good people, and good stuff. Hosted by Sean Patrick and Karen Nozolst. Hey, Karen, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's a good. it's a good week. There's some good news coming up. Everything, everything all around works. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we woke up this morning, right? So that's mm-hmm. good news of it, of it, of itself. And, um, because we woke up, we're in the game and we get to do what we've come here to do. Even mm-hmm. when we don't feel like it, we still get to allow this breath that is always breathing us to fully express. Um, I love when you said, even when we don't feel like it, because I've, yeah. I've developed a pretty great routine so I can keep being in the flow of great things unfolding, mm-hmm. even when I don't feel like it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's the routine? Oh, I just have my, I, I just have my work hours every day. Like yes. I'm in a routine of getting up, making sure that I eat, um, and then going mm-hmm. into some work before lunch, some work after lunch. Um, yeah. I, I keep it somewhat flexible because it's the joy of working for yourself, but I don't keep it yeah. completely open. It's very good to like, just like, for example, we meet every week to record this. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that we do that keep keeps it being made. So it's just having yeah. things in place that mean I show up, I create, I deliver, even, yeah. even if my preference would be to not do it in that moment. Yeah. I, that's so wonderful. There is, something to be said about routine, right? Mm-hmm. And then the routine does not always become routine because there is joy that we get to find in the routine that we get to do. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I've come to find there's more joy. There's more joy in routine. Like, for example, if I think if I know that on Wednesday mornings, I'm going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. it's, there's more joy to be found in that than doing something leisurely, knowing that I could be working on a true soul's unfoldment. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like my soul's yes. unfold, unfoldment is is not to go to the movies at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. It might be to mm-hmm. go at 7 p.m., but yes. I want to be using the carved out work hours to to do creative projects. Yeah, and you know, we're very fortunate that we get to show up the way that we do because I've already planned after we complete this, I have a couple of clients. I have a um, a class that I get to get ready for. And I've also felt the need, the pull to sit and to be still, mm-hmm. to meditate at a deeper level than I've done so before because I'm feeling that something wants to express through me. So to be able to sit and be still and let it, whatever that is, I get, I get to do that. It's a privilege and an honor, the work that we've come here to do. Yeah. A meditation is a great example because if we all waited until we felt like it, there'd be a lot less meditation. <laughs> yes. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Um, 
let's get into this week's good news stories. Okay. Um, this one is in your side of the world, Karen. Um, a children's hospital in Orange County has partnered with Honda to create tiny electric cars so the patients can drive themselves to their appointments. Oh. It's amazing. Like, you should see some of the videos that, that it has. It's it's just such a small thing which brings something good to something that can be sad. So these are little cars that these kids are in and they're driving? They're driving around the hospital, yeah. So they drive, you know, to get their blood test, then they drive to get... And, and the, um, we've got a quote here from um, Randall Smock, who's a senior exterior designer for vehicles at Honda. He played a significant role in, in designing this, and he's called it a labor of love because he says, as someone who spent time in the hospital as a young child, I really wanted the number one objective um, of this to be easing the hardship of a hospital stay by providing kids a lasting positive memory about their experience. Oh, I mean, talk so about beautiful. doing something good. Yeah. 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 Did you have a little electric car when you were a kid? Liddy had one. I did. It was a little, it was a yeah. little Jeep. Right. Right. Lindsay had a Barbie yeah. <laughs> car. And I remember, oh gosh, I have this memory of her turning around because she needed to look um, to make sure she wasn't going to hit anything. And I can see her now. She must have been two. And there was so much joy within her. So I'm thinking about the joy that these kids have um, in the, in a hospital setting um, that is so powerful, that assists them in their healing. I know, I'm sure that that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And the the exterior designer at Honda had been a child in hospital. So, you yeah. know, talk yeah. about the opposite of becoming very bitter and feeling yes. disenfranchised because of that. They've really impacted. I mean, it started in Orange County. By the year 2030, I think there'll be cars in every children's hospital. Oh, yeah. It's really beautiful. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. And tell Lindsay, if we could go back in time, I would happily swap my Jeep for her Barbie car. <laughs> I know you would. I know you would. Um, this is another one from your, God, all the all the good news is in California this week. <laughs> so um, researchers from the University of Exeter, which is which is in the UK, but they have found that children who grew up near the water are less likely to suffer mental health problems as adults. The research was conducted in eighteen countries. Of course, one of them locations being California. Of course, so Karen, you grew up by the water. Do you believe this? Uh, oh, of course. I have a friend mm -hmm. I'm thinking about her right now, and her name is Judith. And she and I went through practitioner studies together. And she's a big believer in doing meditation by the water. Now, she mm -hmm. lives by the water, certainly closer than I do. I'm probably 20 minutes away. She was able to she might have been able to walk to the water. That's how close she was. And so there's this calmness and this peace that she got to experience when she was meditating. There was a couple of times when she asked me to join her, and there's nothing like being at the water. I love hearing water trickle through a fountain or hearing um, raindrops 
I love hearing that. There's there's peace that it brings me. I have the experience of even last night, even though it rained last night here, I still have my recording um, that I get from from Facebook or YouTube. I get it from YouTube. I turn the water on the rain so that I can um, so that I can listen as I'm yeah. going to sleep or as I am meditating. It's a fabulous way to be still. It really is. Now, if I was going to throw my two cents in for the experiment and for the research, there has to be something about, you know, when you stand by the water, especially the ocean, Mm -hmm. it's a very clear reminder of the vastness of the planet of the universe and yes. it gets you out of your individualized self. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, I don't know that this is, I'm just going to give my own theories on the research, but I can only imagine that children that have had that constant experience of not even explicitly being told, but just seeing for themselves this huge, vast ocean and, you know, the world mm-hmm. being so much bigger than their problem likely does create a much healthier mindset as an adult. Oh, it has to, to know Mm -hmm. that it's not just us. There is a power and a strength in the water to know that we are, we simply are a drop. We represent a drop in the ocean. So this vastness allows us to, I know it allows me to, to feel it and to be, reminded that I am more than anything that is going on in the world. I'm more than that. That's what the water represents to me. Yes. And for me, this, this really links into the next story and stay with me because I'm, I'm going to make the connection, but a new documentary on Apple TV called my mind and me profile Selena Gomez's mental health struggles. She has diagnosed bipolar disorder, but overall says that in 2020, she just became really unhappy. And mm-hmm. thinking back to our first story about going to the beach, um, people weren't allowed to do that in 2020. And whether or not you went to the beach or that was your thing, no matter what your situation was, you were put in a position where you were completely isolated to your self and your yes. prop. Pro- yeah. And it's just so interesting. I, 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 I hear from somebody, you know, every day, whether it's in my family, whether it's a friend, you know, people's mental health has really been struggling. Mm-hmm. And w- when I read this story, I was more interested in the quote where she says, I just became really unhappy as opposed to the the diagnosed bipolar, which I'm not saying is not true. I'm saying that what seems to be so much more, what seems to be even truer to me is she became really unhappy. And there's so many words for that. There's so many conditions. Um, You know, I'm I'm a psychologist. I I understand it. But um, 20, like, there's no doubt that when the, the, you know, the ability to engage with life in the world was taken away, that, yeah, that she and many people became really unhappy. And, you know, it's so fascinating because I went into my hermit role mode and I became and I isolated myself completely I mean I sh- when when they said 
COVID, don't go out of your home, yada, yada, yada. I became happy in that. Now, Mm -hmm. I know that I am very uh, different from a lot of people. I don't need um, a lot of um, friends and family around me in order to feel good about myself. Um, And I think one of the things that COVID has allowed us to remember, I think one of the things that COVID has allowed us to remember is the idea that um, we're on our own because we are. And we get to develop some skills and some practices that allow us to turn within so that when we feel as though that we're alone, that we get to turn within to this to this still small voice and bask in that. That takes practice. A lot of people can't can't do that. And there were developed in um, the midst of all of this, in the last two, two and a half years, people were able to tune in to med- meditation practices. They were able to turn into prayer practices. They were able to hook up virtually with other individuals that, needed um, a partnership in order to move forward. So I think that there can be two camps of people and then most importantly, the camp of people that come together. Because what I ended up doing was that I, um, even though I was happy isolating myself, I needed to reconnect with people. So I did it with my clients and with my friends and you and I connected. We did all those things. So human beings are meant to find themselves and find one another as the one. I mean, never ever more than now am I understanding this thing of balance people speak about. It's a word that I heard, you know, it's a word you always hear and I'm only understanding the complexity of it. And, you know, when you, we spoke about, of course, people got sad, if not more severe mental health issues when they were isolated, but the opposite is also true. And there are people like yourself, like me, that welcomed in the retreat from over stimulation and engagement. So like I said, more than ever, I'm learning about balance and yes. the gray area of so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was very interesting and um, I've not seen the documentary. I'll definitely be watching it. Um, yes. I hope to hear that she's like in a much better place now. And I think it's a really important story to share because mm-hmm. post 2020, there really is a rise in, I don't know if it's any diagnosable mental health disorders, but once again, to go back to her quote, people being really unhappy. So I'm glad, I'm glad this is out there. Yes, I am too. Um, Two stories this week in history, both happened on the 11th of November, 11, 11, um, 1918 marked the end of the first world war. Um, did you know this 11 AM on the 11th of the 11th? Did you know that? No, I didn't. I had no idea. No, that's powerful. And that's when the, yeah, and I know because we do remember on Sunday in the UK with with the poppies, mm-hmm, and I right. know that we do that yes. minute, and we do that minute silence at eleven a.m. on the eleventh of the eleventh. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that is the actual time 
the war was declared over. So yeah, I, I, anyone you know, with yeah, go oh, on. It, it's so powerful because those numbers, you know, are we talk about them being numbers of alignment. We talk about them being angel numbers, how spiritual numbers, whatever it is, there's something there. And to think that there was this awareness, and I know we're talking about ageless wisdom and everything, um, but to know this information is really, is really powerful. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, like I think anyone who's even dabbled into maybe a metaphysical way of thinking will have heard you know, 11 seems to be the number that is considered to be symbolic of something good. Yes. And it's, um, it's just, it's cool to see that that's when the first world war was declared over at 11 AM on the 11th of the 11th. Yeah. The next story is from 1992, um, on the 11th of the 11th, um, the church of England made the, made the decision to allow female priests. Now oh, I kind of had to, check this because i thought that was only in 1992 i know and the first yeah. female priest didn't become ordained until 94 uh I, so i was six <laughs> so i lived in a world without any female priests i i, I just you know because you know dawn french had that show vicar of Divinity. yes i do yeah, yeah i i i thought that was before 1994 i mean it wasn't um I just, I didn't know that the allowing female priests was so late on in the timeline of everything. Well, yeah. And, and they didn't have a lot of priests lined up to be ordained or whatever happens, right? It took them a couple of years in order to um, ordain some female priests. And um, I just, and so I have to, so that I'm, don't get angry about this. And I'm feeling my feelings right now and I move into gratitude. So I'm grateful that somebody woke up. <laughs> oh, I mean, thank God. I mean, you are a, you're not a priest. You are a female spiritual practitioner and one of the best. So oh, thank God. Yes, and, thank and not God. that you needed to wait for the church of England to allow you to do it. Yeah, but, yeah. um, what a shame that so many brilliant spiritual people were not able until 1992 to share that with the huge community of, of Church of England. So, yeah, thank God somebody woke up. And last I heard, there's no risk of that going anywhere. Yeah, good, um, good. Yeah. Final good news story of the day. Um, it's been discovered by scientists in Germany that pomegranates boost immunity so significantly it triggers a flow of rejuvenated T cells that, quote, are more than capable of fighting a tumor. Oh, I love it. I, have I mean, not I love pomegranates. Do you? Yeah, I love them. And I know that they um, are very popular just health-wise, I didn't know about this story. It makes me think that I need to include more in my diet. Well, I am coming this week, so we will eat pomegranates every day. <laughs> um, I mean, I I knew that, pom once again, like you, I knew pomegranates are very healthy. I mm -hmm. buy them in that little unit where they're already de-seeded. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know. I mean, I mean, it's only very recent. I, I want to. It's only very recent that this month, um, 
this was only on the 1st of November of this month, that this specific link to it triggering the supply of rejuvenated T cells has been officially discovered. It's beautiful. Uh, Yeah. What's your favorite fruit? Watermelon. (laughs) That's (laughs) mine too. (laughs) And there's this great um, Larry David, Curl Beer Enthusiasm episode where the black guy that lives with him um, is – Larry comes in the kitchen and the guy is acting very squirrely and he says, what are you doing? And he opens up the um, trash can and there's a watermelon in there. And Larry David says something like, oh, you really believe that? um, Are you one of those people who believe that black people are not supposed to eat uh, watermelon in public? So they go through this whole thing of black people eating watermelon in public. I, I love watermelon and I, um, I think it's, it's good for me. I love the hydration that it gives my body temple. I, I eat it probably nine months out of the year. I, I will eat one mini watermelon a day because I love it so much and it's so good for me. So anyway, that's, that's my story on watermelon. Yeah. Well, you know, there's um, one of the early seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, there was a, a, a drag queen who was black and she said that she would not eat watermelon in public. And, and I didn't know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, so, a, you know, um, it's, it's a stereotypical kind of thing that, that goes on. And when we get up, we release our fears, we can do anything including um, those things that we have to release. And that's one of the things, because it was a big deal on on this show. I mean, Larry David went to the grocery store and he led the charge of black people, because uh, we have to laugh at ourselves too, of black people eating watermelon in public, making sure that it's a good thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, I am a fan of all melon. I'll mm-hmm. take a cantaloupe. I'll take a honeydew, and a close second for me, I guess, would be grapes. But you can do so much with a banana. Yes, yes, and I have grapes and bananas for you, and I also bananas, yeah, bananas, and I also <laughs> eat a lot of apples. You know, so I'm a, oh, okay. I'm a, yeah, and I I like either Fuji or Gala apples and um and and that's it and i happen to live in los angeles where they're always plenty and i do eat a lot of avocados as well so um you know it's it's all so good and you're gonna have a great time coming here and enjoying all of that oh i have i have no doubt you know what i'm not huge fan of and i get i I assume you get loads of them in los angeles is oranges yeah, you know, that's interesting. I take a vitamin C pill and I don't eat a lot of oranges or tangerines. I love them. I, I really do love all fruit because I'm also thinking about um, peaches and nectarines when they're in season. Um, but but yeah, mean, strawberries, oranges. 10 out of 10. Yeah, not for me. I, you know, I'll eat oh, them. Really? Yeah, I'll eat strawberries. They're fine. But it's not my my favorite at all. Not oh, at all. I mean, it's very British, Karen. Strawberries and cream. I know. So good. I know. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think orange is an 
Orange is an it's an it's an inaccessible fruit. I think it's hard to eat. It's hard to prepare. You don't fully eat it. It's hard. Do you know what I do? Like I like a kiwi. Really? Huh? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. I like ki- kiwis too. They're um, but they're fl- and they're flavorless to me. Um, so yeah, that's so. It's so interesting. You know, oranges. When I watch these baking shows, they do a lot of oranges and um chocolate so there's a lot of that flavor combination that goes on yeah um and just before we bore people too much with our fruit choices (laughs) i have to say that i go through so many lemons and limes because i squeeze it into i squeeze lemon and lime into almost everything i eat and drink yeah yeah well i always have lemons I always have a lot of them. In fact, my neighbor just left me yesterday a little, he has this, this lime tree. So a couple, three times a year, he'll just leave on my porch a little bag of, of limes and uh, limes and lemons are really good for our body temple. So I'm glad to know that you're doing that in a squeeze of a lemon or a lime. I do a half because I do it throughout the day in some water. It allows me to drink the water and it, that water first thing in the morning re, really hydrates my body. Well, you know, I love coffee, but my new drink has become um, black tea, honey, and lemon. I love it so oh, much. Well, I so, have some black tea. I must've bought it for you. I was looking in my tea drawer. So I have some English breakfast. Yes. Yes, English, yes, exactly. That's yes, we, yes. We all I have, know the mistakes people make yeah, I, I have when they it offer for English you. people a cup of tea and yes. it's not English breakfast. Yeah, I, I have it um, for oh, you. Yeah, so yeah, English English breakfast tea, honey and lemon, that is my new Great. coffee, but I'll okay. still have a cup of coffee in the morning. Okay, I have it all for you. Without having to oh, go good. to the grocery store, I have it all for you. Yes. <laughs> oh, incredible. And good, I am um, so many things I'm going to cook. So when we record next week, we will be together, which yes. I think is going to be really exciting. I think it um, is too. But yeah, but it's been so, I love recapping these news stories. I know I said this last week, we're just getting so much great feedback from people because it's very easy to turn on the news and hear things that are scary, troublesome, worrisome. Um, it's important to have a place to share that if you look a little closer, there's also some real good stuff happening in the world. So yes, yes. until next week, say something good. You've been listening to Say Something Good from TGH, The Good House. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And because we want to inspire as many people as we can with these episodes, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share the show with friends or family who'd find it useful. Also, please leave us a review and let us know what you'd like to hear on the show. For more information about TGH, The Good House, who we are and what we do, please visit our website, www.tghbooks.com.